Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. The following sermon was preached by Archie Atwell at Seabreeze Camp Meeting in Hope Sound, Florida in 1982. It's titled, Hindrances to Prayer. I know you'll enjoy this wonderful message. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. Scripture, while Brother French is putting this thing on my neck, it says something like, Muzzle not the ox which treadeth on your corns. <laughs> that may not just be exactly the way it is, but it gets close. <clears throat> well, it's good to be here. Man, I I'm sweating it out more ways than one tonight. <laughs> I wore this same suit up in Michigan just a few weeks ago, and it didn't seem near this warm. Maybe. <laughs> we do count it a privilege to be to Hope Sound again. We've always looked forward to the opportunities we had to come by, but this time it's a little different. Being one of the workers in the camp, and feeling the responsibility, and we're coveting your prayers that God will help us as we appreciate the privilege of working with Brother Yoakum. I thought maybe if he would just let me shine his shoes and carry him a drink of water now and then and split the pay with him after it's all over with, but uh, he, he didn't seem to go along with, uh, with that. But we are looking forward to his ministry. And it's good to hear, be here with Brother Hare, Brother French, Brother Whitaker, and all of you good folk. Praise the Lord. And you bad ones too. <laughs> I once said when he got up before a crowd one time, he said, I feel like the little lightning bug that backed into the window fan. Said, I'm delighted. <laughs> we are delighted to be here. <laughs> I looked back across the congregation, and I was a little nervous, you know, and thinking the responsibility, of course, of preaching. But when we see people that you've preached to before, and you know their spirit, and you know how they've prayed and backed you up, and across the years, well, it encourages you to, to expect God to help them to help you again. So you pray for us tonight just like uh, you'd want us to pray for you if you were here. A little boy got up to see his Christmas piece one time, and his his lip was quivering, and and he couldn't get it out. And finally, he he said, "Folks, that only only Jesus and and me knows what I'm going to say." And he stood there a while, and he said, "He said, now now only Jesus knows." <laughs> 
you have your Bibles with you tonight, turn with us to the book of Zechariah. Book of Zechariah, the seventh chapter. We begin reading at the eighth verse. If it'll help you any, that's on page 868. <laughs> it starts out saying, And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and shew mercy and compassion every man to his brother. The tenth verse says, Oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the people of, from the Lord of hosts. And therefore it came to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. Now then, has everybody found your scripture? <clears throat> All right, we'll start reading at the 8th verse of the 7th chapter of Zechariah. It said, And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, <clears throat> Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and shew mercy and compassion every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken, and they pulled away the shoulder, and they stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law, and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent in his spirit by the former prophets. And therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. And therefore it came to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in Hope Sound Camp. One more time, we thank You for Thy Word. Thank you for thy people. We pray that thou would help us tonight as thy unworthy servant. Touch this stammering tongue of ours, these blundering lips, and give us clarity of thought. Hide away the human as much as possible, and glorify thyself, and we'll praise you and thank you for all you do. But we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. <clears throat> In the latter part of the 13th verse that we read in your hearing tonight, it says, So they cried, and I will not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. We'd like to talk to you tonight about hindrances to prayer. Hindrances to prayer. Oh, you say, now, Brother Atwell, before camp ever started, well, we've been hearing in chapel, we've been hearing in church, that you need to pray, 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 p
Let's have prayer. That our pastor at home says we're going to camp meeting and let's pray. Everybody prays. I'm just sort of getting tired of it. Well, if you feel that way tonight, you need to pray. <laughs> Have you got a prayer life? Good friend of mine came out of the woods at camp meeting one time and a young fellow walked up to him or another fellow and he said something like this to him. said, Brother, I just want to tell you I appreciate your prayer life. And he turned around and looked at this fellow and said, Say, have you got a prayer life? And it just almost knocked him off of his feet. But we might be surprised of how many people in this crowd tonight did not have a prayer life. Or you might have a little now nah, lay me down to sleep prayer and just sort of have it all memorized and you could type it out and stick it up on the bedpost and say, there it is, Lord. And just uh, go through the little routine or form or let one of your children pray it for you. But have you really got a prayer life? It's just as important that you pray if you're a Christian as it is that you wind your watch. That old watch will soon run down, the hands will still be there, and the face will still be there, and the form will still be there, but nothing will be ticking on the inside. And likewise, if we don't pray, my friend, we quit ticking on the inside. We lose our testimony. We lose our song. We lose our unction. We lose our, our seekers around and all our prayer. It's important that we pray. And James said that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, that means all mankind, man, woman, boy, or girl, availeth him U-C-H. Does anybody know what that big word spells? Much. Much. Effectual fervent prayer, a righteous man availeth much. Now if we would start tonight and down through this congregation, it'd take a long, long, long time, and we just say to folks, now, I'd like to ask you a question, just how much is your prayer life availing? We may hear folks sort of tuck their head and say, Brother Atwell, I'm sorry, I'm just not really seeing too much accomplished. I just sort of talk to yourself right now. You like to talk to a smart person once in a while, don't you? Just talk to yourself a little bit and ask yourself, said, have I really seen anything accomplished in my prayer life? Can I look back a week ago or a month ago or even a year ago and see some definite answers to prayer? Or do I just kind of have to say, well, the church helped us pray and somebody else helped us to pray, but something that you knew you prayed to on and God came and witnessed to your heart and he gave you a promise and you held on and you believed God until you actually saw it happen and you shouted and rejoiced in your soul because God heard and answered your prayer. I wonder sometimes... 
How many times we have prayer requests at our churches? We read a long list off as we had tonight and maybe over and over again in our own services. We said, let's have a prayer requests now and somebody will give this one and some will give that one and some will give another and you can almost begin to smell ether. It gets so strong in the atmosphere. And yet we get out and we pray, oh God, undertake and intervene and my God help us. And maybe we never really get to the point, just sort of a general thing. And if we pray in general, the Lord will probably just answer in general. And we're going to have to say, now Lord, we want to see something. How many of us would go out here and get ready to go home of a night and reach over there and turn the ignition on our old car and... We can go through the form over and over and over and over again and never really see anything accomplished and are not too disturbed about it. I pastored a little church down in southern Indiana. 
Someone said I should change that word pastoring to pestering. But, but anyhow, I was there. And I remember we'd asked for prayer request, and a lady who sat right on the end of the seat before the last seat before you go out the door would put up her hand. She was a piano player in our church, and she'd make a request like this. She'd say, Brother Atwell said, Pray for my brother. He's an old drunkard. He's going to go to hell if he doesn't get saved. And I'd say, all right, folk, let's remember this request. Pray for Jay Denton that God will save him. We want to see him get in. And I confess there were times I'd get down to pray, and I'd think, oh, God, help Jay and move upon his heart. And then it maybe be times that I wouldn't even think to call his name. And I felt ashamed maybe after we got out. But I thought, oh, I forgot to pray for old Jay. But one Monday morning after the weekend, God had come and blessed our services. We had a flight of steps that uh, came down from where the parsonage was on a little hill there on Jackson Street. And, and I came down those steps and on the sidewalk and I looked up the sidewalk and who do you think I saw coming but this old drunkard. He was wobbling back and forth down the sidewalk like an old drunkard would. And I stood there and I waited for him until he got down to where I was at. I put out my hand and I said, good morning, Jay, how are you? He weaved back and forth as he stood there and through those blundering lips he said, nah, not very good, preacher. You can tell looking at me. And I could, and by smelling of him, he had laid in his own vomit all night and my, he was a mess. I said, Jay, we're praying for you down to the little church, and we'd like to see you get saved. I thought he hadn't heard me. He stood there for quite some time, but I didn't know he was getting ready to preach me a sermon. He weaved back a time or two, and then he said something like this. said, Preacher, if you're praying for me, I ought to feel the effects of it. Brother Yoakum, I felt something hit me. <laughs> but not quite that hard, you know. <laughs> I slipped back up into the parsonage and I said to my wife, Honey, I'll not be eating the next meal. I went down to the little church. I walked in the back door. Brother Wills, you've been there in revival meeting. Walked in the back door of that little church. And time and time before, I'd walk in, have a little hallelujah spell, and kick up my heels and go down the aisle and thank God for his presence and the way he'd been helping. I didn't feel like shouting that morning. I felt more like crawling down the aisle. There'd be times I'd come and get down to the altar and I'd bombard the heavens. But I didn't feel like crying toward God that morning. I felt like crawling under the altar. In fact, I stuck my head under the altar. I felt like getting on the rug. I was snowed under by a message from an old drunkard. And I got real still before God for a while. And then I murmured a little prayer, something like this. Oh, God. Why does an old Jay Denton feel the effects of my prayers? Now, folk, if you don't want to really know something, you better not ask the Lord and mean it. Because if you'll stay there and you will listen and give God time to talk to you by his spirit or through the word, he'll let you know what your problem is. 
It's so easy for us to pray and to just tell the Lord what to do and give him instructions, how to help in the service and how to move up on the people and how to work on the preacher and do this and that and the other. Amen, Lord. And run off when the Lord even gets a chance to talk to you. But prayer is communion with God. And I prayed, oh, God, oh, God, what is it that's hindering old Jay Denton from here being affected by my prayers? And the Lord reminded me of just a few days before that when I came through the parsonage and my wife was sitting over here to my right. She said something to me and I was in a big hurry and I just rushed through the house and out the back door and, and ignored what she had to say. I thought, this is important. And the Lord reminded me, said, son, don't you remember the other morning when your little wife spoke to you about something and you just sort of ignored it and you went on to the house and out about your business? That doesn't the Bible say to be you kind one to another? Doesn't it speak about husband, love your wife, and this say consider the wife who's a weaker vessel and he just began to bring one scripture in my mind after another? I began to weep, and I said, oh, yes, Lord, I can be a better husband. I can be a better father, oh, God. He said, will you go back and apologize to her? And I said, I will, and I meant it. Let me tell you something, folk. If we're having trouble to get our getting our prayers through, a good thing to do is start right in the home and see whether you're living the way you ought to there. Not used to going much any farther than that. If you're not living at home, well, you better take care of that thing first. There in the book of uh, Peter, it's the third chapter, it starts out, said, Likewise, ye wives, said, Be in subjection to your own husbands. I didn't get a feminine amen there, and sound like one hen packed husband somewhere, kind of said. might sound a little bit humorous, but we'd be surprised of how many women that are not submissive to their husband anymore. I didn't mean to kill the service the first night, but if you're still trying to wear the britches, sister, you're going to have a hard time of getting your prayers through. One lady said, preacher, I didn't like that word you used tonight, and he said, what's that? And she said, britches. He said, I don't even remember saying it. said, what did I say before I said that? She said, well, I can't remember right now. Well, he said, what did I say right after that? Well, I, I can't remember that either. Well, he said, if I hadn't said britches, you wouldn't have got nothing out of the service then, would you? <laughs> But somehow or another, tonight I just sort of feel like somebody might remember that word bridges tonight. After our little smirk and our little smile and our little grin is all evaporated and God the Holy Ghost sort of wiggles right down to, to begin to put his finger on the things that's hindering our prayer life, he might talk to some women here tonight who are not really submissive to their husband and said, say, that's your problem. He goes on down the seventh verse said, Likewise, ye husbands, said, Well with them, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now you men keep your chin up. 
Someone told me not long ago that evidently Adam uh, knew something about electronics that he furnished the, one of the first pieces for the, one, the first loudspeaker that was ever made. Figure that out in your homework. Don't laugh now, you know. <clears throat> Likewise, you husbands, well with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And here's the part I want to emphasize, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husband and wife, we can sort of accuse one another and criticize one another. If he would just do that, but we're not getting by with anything with God. Unless we have that harmony and that oneness of spirit and that unity that God wants us to have, it's going to be hard for our prayers to get through. I said, how about this thing? And I said, yes, Lord, I will, I will, I will, and I did. Brother Dorsey, I knew I wasn't through yet. I knew there was other things that was hindering. I began to cry before the Lord again. Ask that simple little question, Lord, what else? He already knew the subject. I didn't have to go in detail. And he reminded me of a woman that came in the back door of our church just a few weeks before that. That's back when the little spike heel shoes were in style and a tight tail skirts. She had a little hat on the side of her head and a feather sticking up out of that hat. And I can see her yet. She come in. Clickety, 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 clickety. <laughs> I was sitting there with my message on my heart and almost ready to preach. And um, now I took the old musket and emptied it out and filled it with new ammunition. I shot at the hat and I shot at the feathers and I shot at the spike heels and I shot at the tight tail skirt. And while I was shooting, she got up and went out. And I never did get to tell her about Jesus. No one knew her name. You know where she was from. Perhaps a hungry heart came in that morning. I could hope I could find somewhere and somebody could help me. But here was a preacher that preached from observation instead of inspiration. And he missed the opportunity that God had given him to help a soul get right with God. I wept and I cried. I said, oh God, can you ever forgive me if I knew where she was? I'd go to her I didn't know, but he said, well, you get up before that crowd and humble yourself. And I did the next Sunday morning. It was humiliating, but I did. And one by one, God began to talk to my heart about the things that was hindering my prayer life. Zachariah here tonight had a group of people that was having trouble getting their prayers through. And he started out by saying, in this seventh chapter of Zechariah, the eighth verse, and the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah. 
Say, folks, it makes a difference who says things. Why, we can just talk all over this campground about what ought to be here, this ought to be here, that and the other, and you ought to do this, and the things are changes that are going to be made, and people will just sort of discuss it. But, but you let Reverend Butter Bobby French come up here and say something. Brother, it changes the tone altogether. You let Brother Heron get up and say something, and we do exactly what they say. It makes a difference who says things. My brother used to tell me I had five brothers and five sisters, and my sisters had six brothers and four sisters. There was 11 of us in the family. I can remember how one of my brothers would come out to me and said, Say, you've got to go down to the spring and get a bucket of water. I'd say, Who said? He said, I did. I said, Blah, 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 blah. That didn't mean anything to me. After a while, he come back and said, you better go get that water. I said, who said? He said, Mom did. I'd go in the house. I'd say, now, Mom, I got the last bucket. This is Bill's or J.R.'s or Carl's or Gene's or go right on down the line. And sometimes I could talk Mom out of it. But when he come out and he said, you better go get that bucket of water. I said, who said? He said, Dad did. I said, where's the bucket? <laughs> and the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment. Oh, he's trying to tell them some of the things that was hindering their pride. I said, you've got the wrong kind of judgment. You're using that old snap judgment. And let me tell you something, folks. We're living in a day when it's awful easy just to come to conclusions and, and cut people off at their pockets. And we're living in a generation. I, I know it. the Bible says the truth endures to all generations. But from all the different avenues and all the different homes and all the different circumstances and all the different places that folk are coming from, we're going to have to have a little patience with them. And just to look at them and say that they're sideburns or they're spit curls and some things that we do not advocate and put our approval on, but just begin to sort of cut them out with the pockets and they can't be a Christian and do this and that and the other. Well, we better wait and remember the scripture said a servant stands or saw falls on the side of his own master. How long was God dealing with you about some of these things? And bless your old heart and let the birds sing inside. You were glad somebody didn't just cut you off and just sort of think, well, look at this or that and the other. But they were patient with you. Heard about a man who hunted a duplex for his home, rented the one side to some neighbors to take care of or to, to live in. It would help pay for the property. He lived on the other side. He said one day he was standing looking out the window at the side on the sidewalk where his little boy was riding his tricycle. And he said the neighbors came by. They'd been to a little grocery nearby. And they reached down and rubbed him on the head and said, How are you today, Sonny? And he didn't answer him. Said, You enjoying this nice sunshine? He didn't answer him. How many miles to a gallon are you getting on your vehicle? He didn't answer him. Just words to this effect. And finally they just walked on, smiled at him, 
went up on the porch ready to go into their part of the building where they lived and the father standing here looked out the window saw the little boy stick his tongue out and he thought oh young man you're not getting by with that and he took out the door and down on the sidewalk where the little boy was and, and he said listen here young fella and he saw what happened you're not getting by with that just a minute neighbors now you stay right there till Daddy gets back. Did you hear? That little boy's eyes was big, wondering what in the world. Don't look so dumb. You know what's happened. Hey, neighbors, I want to tell you, I just happened to see what took place here. You were probably talking to my little boy there about his tricycle, and yeah, I said we couldn't get a peep out of him this morning. I said evidently he didn't like it said, I noticed after you walked on by and up on your porch, well, he turned around and stuck his tongue out at you. And I just want you to know he's not getting by with that. I'm going to wear that young man out when I get him in the house. I just want to apologize. I'm sorry for the way he acted. And the lady said, oh, sir, don't do that. said, I realize what happened now. Said after I got on the porch, my husband unlocking the door, I just turned back and turned back and said to him one more time, said, Sonny, has the cat got your tongue? <laughs> and said he stuck his tongue out to show me the cat didn't have his tongue. Now what if that father would have come out there and have picked that little boy up said, Son, Daddy saw what happened here. I'm not shaking the living daylights out of you. Turn over my knee here, brother. He turned him over. That little boy began. <laughs> Shut up. I said, Hush. <laughs> you get back in there and stay and he slammed the door. back through the house his wife said what's wrong oh that boy of yours <laughs> what do you mean that boy of yours well he's acting like his mother today <laughs> that old snap judgment will just make you snap about everybody that's around finally he heard the door open just a little bit and he heard some sobs. Daddy, can I come out now? Can you come out? I guess you can't. Get in there and stay until you get where you can act like a young man out there. He slammed the door. Oh, if anything ever gets me, that's for a young man to act like that. And finally the door opened. Dad, Daddy, I, I didn't do that to be mean. Don't lie to me again, young man. What do you mean, didn't do it to be mean? Daddy, she, she asked me if the cat got my tongue. Why? What? She asked me if, if the cat got my tongue. I stuck my tongue out the shore and if the cat didn't have my tongue. 
What was that sign? You get up here on Daddy's knee. Tell me about that again. Now, really, what happened now? She asked you if the cat got your tongue. Yeah, Daddy, I, I hadn't talked to him on the sidewalk, and she turned around and asked me that, and I told Russ, I just by sticking my tongue out that the cat didn't have it. I didn't mean to be mean. Well, Sonny, if that's the way it really was, Daddy's sorry. And Daddy... You ought to be. Here, you get on your tricycle and go down to that little grocery store down there at the corner where they sell ice cream. You get as big an ice cream cone as you want, and then you keep all the change, will you? Let Daddy help you wipe away the tears. He wiped the tears out of his eyes and nose both, and little boy stood there, and he began to smile. Get on your tricycle now and go. And little boy put his leg over his tricycle. But when he did, <laughs> when he did, he sat way over on one side, you know. And he pedaled like this, you know. <laughs> you know why he did? He had a blister back there. forgiven him and daddy should and the little boy had a forgiving spirit and he should but the hurt was still there why preacher that old snap judgment just think about those people now that you've just sort of been friend of mine said he's driving down the road one day and I saw a sign, ice cold watermelon. Oh, shit, that looks good. His wife, well, let's get one, let's get one. He said, I wasn't hard to convince. And said, we got one put in the car and said, now we don't have a butcher knife. Well, she said, my brother down the road here has got one. Let's pull in and get one. Don't tell him about the melon, though. Just get one. We'll go down that little picnic table and eat it. He said, we took off down the road on that little one-lane road through there. See it yet? He said, I come to a one-lane bridge and said, oh, here come another car. And I pulled over. And he said, that car went by. And I heard the wheels squeak. And there was one come in behind me. Boom. Said he shook us up a little bit. Said a woman jumped out and said, What in the world do you mean the parking in the middle of the road? And he said, Well, woman, didn't you see that car go by? I said, I'm not talking about that car, I'm not talking about this one. He said, Well, we'd had a head on I ain't not talking about a head on collision, and you're in the middle of the road, and I ran into you. He said, I found out I couldn't reason with her. And he said, I just got in my car and took off. Said, I knew she wasn't hurt from the way she's acting. Said, I went up to my brother-in-law's house and got out and went in to get the butcher knife and said, while I was in there, well, I seen her drive up behind our car and she come up to where my wife was and said she had a big old paper in her hand and she got our license number, you know, and asked my wife what insurance company we had and what our name was and said, while she was going through all this, well, said, I was coming out of the house and he said my brother-in-law's butcher knife was about that long. Said we had a front porch about half as high as this platform, and said I come. I didn't use the steps. Said I just jumped down off the off there and said with that big butcher knife in my hand. She looked up and saw me coming with that butcher knife in my hand. Said you talk about a woman getting in the car and a spreading gravel. Said she took out of there in a hurry. 
her snap judgment said, he's going to get me with that thing. Said I had no intentions whatsoever about her. Zachariah said execute true judgment. And shew mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Said oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. Be careful in your business transactions. When you go over to that widow woman's place to, to buy some of those things she was left with, her husband is dead now. She doesn't know the value of things. Well, I said, you be careful. Said the way you deal with her will hinder your prayer life. You look at that old rocking chair. I'm talking to you antique dealers now. And said, well, what would you want for that old rickety rocking chair? Oh, sir, that old chair, I've almost been afraid to sit out in it myself. My mother had it. Her mother gave it to her. And we've just kept it across the years, but said I have no use for it. Said I'll just give it to you if you want it. Oh, well, it's not worth much. I can see that, but I'll give you $5 for it. All the antique dealers said, Amen. When you knew you could buy multitudes of times of the dollars that you gave and took advantage of that poor old widow woman. Well, nobody's shouting too much. Let's talk about trading cars. You know, when you was going down the road and you went over the railroad track, you said, my, I hope this thing holds together when we get down there. Your wife said, why? I said, well, the transmission's about to come out of the thing. Said, do you hear that knock in the motor? Sounds like a diesel, but it's not. Said, I don't want to put any more gas in it. But you got there. He looked it over. How's the old car running? Oh, fine, 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 fine. How many miles to a gallon? You know, people used to want cars that didn't smoke. They want them that don't drink now, you know. <laughs> we could get them converted where they didn't smoke or drink either. Well, we'd have a good sale for them, wouldn't we? How many miles to a gallon? you say, Mama, about 18? Of course, he meant eight in town and ten on the highway and put them together. That made 18, you know. <laughs> then try to pray through over that. Try to get a hold of God. Business. Say, I've got enough confidence in the one that told me to preach this tonight that he's doing a little preaching too. And he's bringing all things to your remembrance and while you're sitting there with that smile on your face and nodding your head and sort of looking around, <laughs> you felt something way down underneath sort of knocked the giggles out of you and said, remember that last deal or that you're just about ready to make? 
He said, you better be careful. That's going to hinder your prayer life. And he said, let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. He didn't say let none of you speak evil, but he said just let none of you imagine evil. somebody stirs up a stink now that little evil imagination began to grow and grow and it grew and it grew and it grew until finally got to place no longer a hug no longer a handshake it was just sort of a wave across the congregation and then it thought well if he don't wave at me why should I Finally got to the place when he'd walked to the back door and see was going to meet him about the same time at the back door. And you turn around and you walk back down to the front of the building and looking for something that you hadn't really lost. And after they walked out, then you had liberty again. Let me ask you a little personal question. I don't know anybody else listening now, just you. Who are you thinking about right now? That's who I thought. That's the one. That's the thing that's hindering your prayer life. Right on down through this chapter, and we must let you go. He says that but they refuse to hearken. You're going to do that tonight? They pull away the shoulder and they stop their ears that they cannot hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts have sent in his spirit by the former prophets. And I'd just like to stop here long enough to say if you didn't listen to that message last Sunday night that your pastor preached or last Wednesday night before this camp started and God talked to your heart, don't you come to hold silent and try to shout all over the place and run the aisles, my friend. And you've heard something to the former prophets and you know that God's talked to your heart. You can't pray to it while you're here unless you walk in that light, first of all. Some of you is getting more out of this than you act like you are. Therefore it came to pass that as they cried that they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. 
Oh, God, why doesn't old J. Denton feel the effects of my prayers? Your wife, the woman that came in the church, the other incidents, whatever they were now. Yes, 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 Lord. Oh, it began to be a pleasure to pray. Could hardly wait to get there. He was there waiting for me. I'd begin to mind God. And just a few days, a knock came on the back door of the parsonage. My wife went to the door. Come in and said, honey, somebody's at the back door. I don't know who it is. And I went to the door. And who do you think I found standing on my back doorstep? That old drunkard standing there. I said, well, hello, Jay. Come on in. He said, I'm not fit to be in your house. Oh, Jay. I said, our house isn't too good, but what anyone can. I'm like, we're ready to have devotions. Come on in and have devotions with us. That old drunkard walked through our house, came in. We gave him one of the best chairs in our living room. I sat down and read God's word that morning and tried to expound upon it. I said, Jay, we always kneel while we pray. Would you kneel this morning? He just squatted down. He didn't really kneel. He just sort of squatted down. And I watched and prayed that morning. And when I'd pray, I'd see old Jay begin to shake his head. I'd say, oh, God, get a hold of our dear friend Jay Denton here. Move up on his heart today. And he'd shake his head. I said, oh, God, help his wife out there. Lord God, she needs a good Christian husband. She needs help. And he'd left his wife. I'd see him shake his head. I said, those two precious boys need a Christian father. Oh, God, we pray you to help them today. Old Jay would shake his head. We got through praying. I walked over to that old, dirty, smelly drunkard, and I put my arms around him, and I squeezed him with divine love in my heart, and I said, Jay, Jay, I still love you. We want to see you get saved. And he whispered something in my ear that made me shout in my soul. He said, you about got me, preacher. You about got me. Hallelujah. hindrances to our prayer life. I tell you what I'd like for us to do right now. It won't take but a moment, and please don't anybody leave because the service isn't over yet. There's too many of us to gather around the altar and pray, but I'd like for us to just get on our knees where we're at, and if you can't kneel, lean over on that seat in front of you. We're going to have just about a minute of silent prayer. Now wait just a moment. And while you're down there on your knees, I'd like for you to ask the Lord one question. Oh God, is there anything that's hindering my prayer life? And then I want you to listen. A little boy sliding up and down a banister at an old ice plant where a big old water wheel was going around outside causing for the, making the power in the plant to run the machinery. This little boy saw a man come in. He was the boss man of the crew. Maybe 18 or 20 fellows working there. 
This man came in and put up his hand and signaled for the man that's running the switch to shut everything down. And he heard the old wheel. He got silent. And he had heard the man say, Men! Said, I, I've, I've got something important I want to say. Said, my, my grandfather gave my father a watch and he handed it on down to me. And somewhere in this ice plant, I've lost it in this sawdust. You know, it's about two or three inches deep on the ground. He said, I'm going to pay you men just like you were working at the job. But I want you to search this place over and see if you can find that watch. He said, I've missed it ever since yesterday, and I know it must be in here somewhere. Said, whoever finds it said they're going to have a $25 reward. And those men began to comb that sawdust. They were down their hands and knees, and some of them had rakes and sticks and, and uh, holes and things are going through the sawdust, and no one could find it. And finally, after they looked to no avail... It was lunchtime. They gathered their lunch buckets and went out under a shade tree, as usual, to eat their lunch. And the little freckle-faced boy that slid up and down the banister went up to the boss man and said, Sir, if I would find the watch, would you give me the $25? Why, he said, Why, sure, sonny. Whoever finds it gets a reward. And while the machinery was shut down and the men were out working, that little boy came in and started under the door. He got out on his hands and his knees, and he began to crawl around on his knees. He'd crawl a little ways, and he'd listen. He'd go a little bit farther, and he'd stop, and he'd listen. You know what he's doing. He's trying to hear the tick of that clock or that watch. And all of a sudden... His big brown eyes widened a little bit, and he reached over in the area, and he grabbed something out of the sawdust and ran out. I found it! I found it! I found it! And he ran out of the shade tree. Hey, Joe, what did you find here, boy? And he came out and looked. Well, he said, that's it. By that time, the owner was there, said, that's it. And they gathered around and said, where did you find that at anyhow? And he told them. Why, he said, I combed that area myself. We went over that place time and time again. How did you find that? He said, all I've done is just listen. I just listen. That's all I want you to do tonight. When we get on our knees. I want you to just listen. Oh, God, is there anything hindering my prayer life Let's get on our knees now and listen. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. I don't want to lose Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.